Okay, hey, welcome back. It's been a very, very long minute for me. Um, I've been deeply under the weather, so let me apologize up front for being so delayed. But unless you're, you've been living under a rock, you probably know that comedian, podcaster extraordinaire Mark Marin released his first HBO special recently. It's called Mark Marin From Bleak to Dark. It's available now on HBO Max, and it'll likely have a long tail resonance. The special is funny, political in the best way, humanist, and also soulful and candid, dealing with a lot of things like grief, mortality, aging, and our current cultural climate. This is a long-winded way of saying welcome back to my irregularly scheduled podcast, Deep Focus. Uh, my name is Rodrigo Perez. I am the editor-in-chief of theplaylist.net, and Deep Focus is where I go long or longish with different actors, filmmakers, writers, directors, and in this case, the multi-hyphenate of Mark Maron, who's obviously a very famous comedian and podcaster, but also actor, writer, producer, etc. blah, blah, blah. He's had his own show in IFC. So, yes, I was lucky enough to have Marin on the podcast, which honestly feels like a kind of wild blessing. I've been listening to Marin for years, maybe not quite from the beginning. His podcast launched in September 2009 in the early days of podcasts, but probably within a year or two of debuting. Um, I've listened to him interview all kinds of interesting and fascinating people, and perhaps more importantly, I've heard the 59-year-old comedian evolve and really embrace humanity, vulnerability, empathy, and kindness. A far cry from the angry, grumpy cliche where Mark Maron started out that some people still seem to have about him. Um, you can use words like woke all you want, but it's really just asking, shouldn't all people be afforded some empathy and understanding? Is that too much to ask? I feel like that's where Maron's coming from. I'm sure that sounds like enlightenment to some people, maybe in air quotes, depending on how cynical you are. But to me, again, it just doesn't seem like that much of a huge ask. Let's try some kindness, some understanding, and some empathy. And so the reason I'm getting into this detour is that while, look, this isn't the focus of Marin's new HBO special at all, don't worry. But I feel like it's the marrow deep down of where he's coming from these days. Sure, he's still really pissed off and perplexed about the state of the world, angry at grifters, charlatans, you know, the Trump deniers and election deniers and stuff and those who deny reality in favor of conspiracy theories and all that bullshit. I mean, who isn't really pissed at that, to be honest? Um, but at the end of the day, embedded under a lot of the, you know, sometimes angry jokes and jabs and pretty enga incredible engaging stories is a soulful humanity and naked vulnerability. I mean, at least that's how I see it, especially from considering how far he came from where he started to who he is now. Um, two of the topics that Marin engages in in bits in the special that speak to this are his father's mortality. His dad is dealing with early onset dementia and their relationship is healing, but it's still very, very complicated. And the huge blow that he was dealt with during the pandemic. In May 2020, just two months after the pandemic started and shut down most of North America, um, the major cities that took it seriously anyhow, Marin's romantic partner, the indie filmmaker Lynn Shelton, suddenly passed away. Known for her associations with the mumblecore movement, but also humanist and vibrant small-scale indies like Your Sister's Sister and Touchy Feely and Outside In, Shelton died kind of out of nowhere from acute my myeloid leukemia at the age of 54 after several days of ill health. She had been undiagnosed and fine until the week before her death, so the entire thing was not only emotionally brutal, but just entirely unexpected for everyone. Anyhow, Marin gets very candid and vulnerable about Shelton in the special. It's probably the highlight of it all. Funny, sad, tragic, but also uplifting in its weird way. And we get into all that too. You know, it was a real treat and honor and pleasure to have Marin on the podcast. I mean, this is a guy who 
you know, it hosts other conversations, and I finally got to talk to him. And I don't know, it's a little bit full circle for me, even if it might not be for anybody else. And dare say, I think it's a, this is a really good conversation. We got into many different details of the special. We talked about Lynn, and he even opened up about the screenplay he was co-writing with Shelton before her death. And his mixed feelings about reviving it and maybe making it into a movie one day. The short end of that answer is maybe not, and maybe yes one day. Though he did reveal to me that he sent the screenplay to, or how finished it was anyhow, to indie filmmaker Nicole Hollis Center, known for Enough Said, Friends with Money, and her most recent Sundance film, You Hurt My Feelings. Anyhow, I really loved talking to Mark. I believe we had a really good conversation, and I hope you listen and share it with those you love. As always, my podcast, Deep Focus, is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Binge Worthy, The Fourth Wall, The Playlist Podcast, The Discourse, Yellowstoners, and more. We can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and most places where podcasts are found. Follow us on iTunes, and you'll get this podcast and our other shows regularly. Be sure to subscribe, drop us a comment or a rating, as we deeply, deeply, and sincerely appreciate it. Um, Anything you can do on that regard really helps us. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Here's my conversation with Mark Maron. How are you doing? How are you? Good. Awesome. Um, good to talk to you. Um, good to I talk watched, to you. I watched the special last night, and it's 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 really funny. It's really good. I love oh, it. Oh, good, good. Thank you. The only um, issue, not really an issue, but I'm watching it, and like especially when it starts and everything, like you're saying all this stuff, and I'm like, true, true. Like I'm not laughing. I'm like, <laughs> yes, no. The world is horrible. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Then you, say it, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. All this stuff. It's like. I had to left for like after the first 10 minutes, I had to just like, just enjoy this dude. Like stop, sure. you know? Right. Yeah. I, I guess like I, I didn't, uh, I didn't come up with enough goofy tags to, uh, to make it, uh, you know, broadly funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's also just like, I was just realizing, Oh, this is shot in front of a, like, I didn't realize at first it was shot in front of a New York audience. And I'm like, yeah. okay, this is like, you know, first HBO special, which is kind of shocking to me that you haven't done one before. So congrats. It's amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, like what would this, what would this, how does this set go over in like other places in the country? Well, I mean, at this point where look, man, there, there are chunks of the set that, you know, you know, primarily revolving around, you know, religion and, and, you know, tribalism that I, I believe, you know, in a broad, in a general audience, I would find like when I do it at the comedy store or something, sure, there are some people that are like, you know, what the fuck is this? But, you know, by and large, at this point, you know, I, I have people who want to come see me do what I do, and they kind of anticipate that. Though there's a couple jokes in there that are you know pretty gnarly for my sensitive middle-aged people. Uh, but, uh, but you know, I, I really think that the, the, the punchlines of, you know, specifically the Roe v. Wade stuff and and also the character of the the sort of like uh, Rogan-ish fan, um, you know, are so like kind of mind blowing that you, you they leave you without a choice but to have a reaction, you know. Um, it, it, so it, it does all right out there. It does all right. That's good. That's good to hear. Because yeah, like I said, you know, watching it, I'm like, yes, I'm totally on board. I, I'm like too much of your 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 perfect audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not right. I'm, I'm not pushing back on any of this. Right. Um, and the other thing is a lot of the stuff, like when you hit with that punchline, it's like it's yeah, it it just makes a lot of sense. Like it's, there's a logic it, to it. Yes. I, I, a, I yeah. I like yeah. that. 
like like uh, even even just like okay the 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 jew is going to fly back and 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 save us from you know yeah. when you're talking about jesus yeah, right. like, yeah like and you that would be mental illness and it's like <laughs> yes that's part of one of the reasons i feel the same way like yeah like to believe in something but yeah yeah put it in those why that yeah, I, I mean, I think I, well, I mean, these are things I think about a lot in, turn, in sort of sorting out my own, you know, ways of seeing things and, and, and how I move through the world and, you know, what, you know, what is real, what isn't, what is belief, what is faith, why do we do these things? I mean, these are like, I, I don't think those questions are for everybody, but I, I definitely live in that world. And I think there's a lot of that in the special around, you know, certainly believing things to make yourself feel better. You, you, you know, I think I address it head on, you know, yeah. during the Lynn segment, you know, that the idea of going mystical when you're, you know, devastated, you know, you, you need relief. You, I mean, it's definitely part of the human psyche. I'd never heard that before. Like even just that phrase, you know, in grief or in death, you go mystical. But like, I was like, that makes so much sense. Like I, it was like, a, it was like a, 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 a mantra that I'd never heard that I thought, oh yeah, that's a mantra. Uh-huh. Well, good. I'm glad this stuff just read as, you know, matter of fact to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they like, it was just like a, it was like watching a TED talk for you. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, and this, the other thing about it, I suppose, that, like it means obvious, but maybe talk about like, you know, so much of this is rooted seemingly in your very sincere, candid beliefs about the world. But then you take it to a place and and then it's like like some of the, these, uh, you know, the prologue to some of these gags or jokes or, or punchlines or whatever it is, is very straight and it's very serious. But yeah. then, boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's just sort of what's evolved as kind of a stylistic choice of mine, you know, because um, it, it makes it sort of funnier because I am, I think, by nature, kind of a serious guy. You know, I'm pretty intense and I am investing myself. But, you know, I know how to deliver a joke. And I, and I think there's several different frequencies of engagement that happen throughout this special. Yeah. I think that first third is, you know, kind of like, you know, very focused and, and, and angry and a, a certain a specific type of, of, of delivery to, to handle that stuff. And then when I get more personal, I think it's a little softer. And, and, and some of it, I think, is straight up. I think there's probably more beats than than you're, you're, you're necessarily seeing, but certainly during the Lynn thing, you know, during the grief part, you know, that the part leading up to the joke that, yeah, that gave me relief, but I didn't know if I was going to be able to ever do it. I mean, the lead up to that thing, dude, it's a gamble, you know, in terms of like, whether that punchline is going to be enough, you know, yes. to undercut. It's so bold. And like you were saying, like it goes over like gangbusters in this special, but then you mentioned that in, I can't remember where it was like, maybe like Germany. Oh, in Ireland. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, well, the lights started going on and off, so it was a little, a little weird, you know. But, uh, but I think with that stuff, you know, the risk is not offending; it's, it's of uh, just the sadness overwhelming the material. And I think there was only, you know, one way to to sort of deal with that was to to through repetition, because I think that the hummingbird story, if it didn't have tags, would be a, a perfectly sweet, heartbreaking story that you could do as a theatrical piece. But because, you know, I, I, I knew that was in place. So how do I, you know, elevate it with, you know, with comedy and, you know, through the birds, I was able to get there, you know. Right. Um, it's like you're, it's, you're almost like, if you do it straight, it's almost like your one man show or something that you were like, you know, joking about earlier in this. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I mean, look, I've been in that space. I know what that space is, but I am fundamentally a stand-up. And I, and, I, and I actually have issue with people that differentiate, you know, within the spectrum of stand-up. Like, you know, you're more of a storyteller or this should be a one-man show or whatever. Because like, look, man, you know, if you're getting, you know, a high quota of laughs that, that are, are built into the thing and you're a comedian, then you're doing stand-up. You know, there's no reason to, you know, like people used to say, like, why are you sitting down? Are you more of a storyteller? It's like, look at the history of comedy. I mean, there's plenty of sitters. There's plenty of people that sat down. I certainly wouldn't want to stand for an hour. I mean, I, I actually was thinking about that. I'm like, you know, I'm not much, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting up there too, you know, eventually. And, and, and I'm like, yeah. I don't, I'm like, I hope he's going to use that stool, man. <laughs> well, I used to like, I was like, more active in, in this special than I have been in years. I've gone on and off the stool for years, you know, and it, but at some point I decided to actively engage the stool. Right. I used to do it oddly. I, the only time I used to sit down is when I was bombing. Like if I wasn't doing well, hmm. I used to sit down on the stool just to counteract, just to show like I wasn't going to be fucked with. I'm not going to be defeated by okay. the fact that I'm not doing well. I'm actually going to relax into it and uh, act more comfortable than 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 even the situation uh, suggests. You know? Yeah. Um, I like that. That I mean, there's so many points or jokes or or, or just moments in the special that I love, but I also love the. The, the anti-Semitism part where you're like, you know, obviously that's a running gag or running thread, a theme, but yeah. then I want to sort of trigger that point where you're like, and I want we get to, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I got to feel like that. That's also kind of like, it's again, part of your humor, very funny, but very sincere in a way. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I think I, that a lot of that stuff is pretty honest. You know, like I, I choose to talk about that in, in the face of anti-Semitism and I choose to indict, you know, uh, uh, Christian fascism and stuff like, because someone's got to say it, dude. I mean, it's not like it's out there in the world. Anti-Semitism is out there because it's being normalized as just something that's part of the national fabric. And that's horrendous. So like, and nobody really is like addressing it comedically that much. Do you know what I mean? You're yeah. hearing a lot from the other side yeah. of people saying like, it's not that bad, man, take a joke. Yeah. But, but it's like, it is kind of bad. It's all bad. Yeah. But I think um, the reason it reads as as sincerity to you or, or just matter of fact is like, it, because this shit's not really spoken publicly, dude. And like, it's going on in your head. And then like, when somebody validates that, of course, you're going to be like, well, all right, thank God. Well, at least he's saying it. <laughs> you know, it's not. Uh, I guess you, you sort of spell it out in this, but I'm just curious, like, what your thoughts are on you know again you sort of spell it up but just like on the woke comedian thing it's like it's such a it's such a like a simple kind of easy again i'm your audience it's so. just look man it's 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 really the new hack you know what i mean it's like there's a lot of people that are marginally talented not very you know imaginative or creative that can you know now kind of like just put on a disposition right like a like a hat you know like i'm the anti-woke guy and there's a, a bunch of tropes you can hit you know, to, to, to present yourself as some edge lord, And, you know, it's really kind of hackneyed and boring and, and really not, you know, uh, it's a point of view. It's, it's not, you know, and a lot of times the fans of this, they're not comedy fans. There's some sort of weird, you know, um, you know right-wing pseudo-libertarian tribalism that is sort of feeding into these guys 
It's like, yeah, stick it to them, man. It's freedom to, uh, to make uh, uh, gay people uncomfortable. It's just freedom to be able, you know, like they should get a thicker skin and all that shit. To me, it just represents, it's not even the lowest common denominator. They're, they're whiny bores who are, you know, presenting themselves as victims to, to get attention from the people that will defend them. You're totally spot on. I think though, and not disagreeing, disagreeing in any way, but like there's, I feel like there's a certain age group where like you get people who like really shift one way or the other, right? Like around your late forties or mid forties to fifties, like, like, I, I don't know. Like there's a, I, I think there's a version of all of us that could have gone the wrong way. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You know? And still can, you know, you never, you know, never say never, but, uh, but, but I think that's true. I think there's, there's an older generation that feels a little more, uh, uh, ignored or, or marginalized in their minds. And I do think that there is a, an oversensitivity in, in some, you know, areas of the culture uh, that then both of these things are playing against each other. But I believe that if you speak honestly and, and you take the chances from an emotional place and they mean something other than just starting shit, that, you know, both sides can engage with that. You know, I, I think that's the that's the finesse, that's the creativity of it. Like there's stuff in this special that I think, you know, in some ways could be, you know, threatening to my life. That there, there are things that I said that are dangerous, you know, because of the type of people that are out there. But I calculated that risk. I thought it was important. And I, you know, and I think, you know, mostly, uh, you know, people won't necessarily kill me, but it's not an, un, it's not a safe set that I did. Right. Uh, and I think that, you know, compared to guys who like, you know, feel like they're going to get piled on on social media or, or not get work at a club because of their commitment to word choice or insensitivity to a particular group. I mean, you, you know, there's not there's not a lot of risk in that. It's almost like a, a grift, you, you know, to get attention, you know. So whatever. You, you, well, I don't want to use the word whatever. I, I, you're correct that there it is generational and, you know, people can always go the wrong way or, or, or become more uh, conservative or, or prejudiced based on personal experience. But I'd like to hear that stand up. I'd like to hear the stand up of uh, somebody who was prejudiced and, and realized that it was coming from a personal trauma more than a point of view. Uh, and I'd like to hear that explored, really. That would be interesting. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Um, the thing, speaking of personal trauma, I want to talk about the Lynn of it all, which yeah. I mean, this part is amazing. And um, I'm, I've met Lynn like twice. I interviewed her and uh, yeah. uh, her films are incredible. You know, I, I love her stuff. And I just think this is, I don't know how much more you can speak to it, but I, I just think it's really beautiful and, and brave and, and, and this whole it's funny. And, and just, yeah, she was great. She had a great laugh. And you, I mean, you know, you talked to her, you did even talking to her for a few minutes. She was just full of a kind of excitement and life and, you know, engaged and it's just like, you know, devastating. And, and I, I really didn't know, and I still don't know, you know, I hope, and I talk about that in the pocket, in the, in the, uh, in the special, like, I hope she would like the things that I said, you know, I, she definitely liked to laugh. I would imagine a couple of the things I said were a bit much and she would probably think that, but, but like, you know, it was really, I hope I honored her. You, you know, I, 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 I feel okay about everything I did on the special and, but I do wonder, you, you, you know, how her, her, her people, her family, who I didn't really know because we weren't together long enough to really start sharing families, you know, and, and uh, I wonder how, how it'll land, you know, I hope they're okay with it. 
who knows uh what do you got a favorite film of hers I, i love her stuff you know i really think outside in was was really the most realized movie that she did Mm-hmm. And I thought the simplicity of that relationship was kind of, kind of stunning. And, and they they both did such a great job, Jay and uh, Edie, you know. But I I really like that movie. I really like that one in Touchy Feely because of the idea of just like that connection, right? That like you can't touch people, but it's like it's so deeply felt, so moving. Well, she was very, you know, all about that, you know, that sort of the authenticity of emotion and and feeling and how people and how people interact, you know. She's very good at that, you know. I was watching, I've been watching some of the, God, stop it. I've been watching these Kelly Reichardt movies and I don't know if I ever talked to Lynn about how she felt about her, but I, you know, I don't know that I really fully um, uh, uh, wrap my mind around Kelly Reichardt as a, an auteur, but like something just got me into it. You know, I saw a coming attraction or a trailer for her new one mm-hmm. about the artists. It's good. And I was like, that is, you saw it? It's great. Is it good? Yeah, it's really good. It's funny, right? It's really funny, really simple. It's just sublime. Just this. Well, it's sublime because, like, you know, you have to know those kind of people. Like, you know, we've all like, if you went to college or you were an artist, or you hung around with artists. The the the, the self seriousness of it all. Like, and I just watched a trailer and I'm like, oh my god, and it just got me going. I haven't seen the movie. Yet. I want to see it. And I've I've watched almost all her movies. I'm like one shy, and like something very similar to Lynn is happening there but it's 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 bleaker it's yeah. like you know lynn kind of like works in the same realm but lynn is you know hopeful yes whereas kelly is poetic and you walk away from the movies going like god damn it i, I don't think i feel good <laughs> you know yeah well speaking of um i gotta wrap up in a minute but i guess i have two questions one where are you on the hope side of things? I mean, with a special that with the title yeah. is, and the second part, and I, you know, I I don't know. I remember at one point there was a, a you know, a, I think it was a report or some maybe you or Lynn said it that you guys were writing a script together, and I and I'm just wondering, yeah, happen with that. I don't know, man. You know, it's hard. You know, I, I'm with hope. I don't know. Like I, I'm starting to get back in the zone of you know now that we're kind of through some of the daily kind of manifestations of complete terror, they, they could always come back. But I'm starting to get into that zone again. It's sort of like, maybe I'll get out under the wire. You know, maybe I won't live to see it get heinous, you know? But I don't know, look, man, I, you know, one of the things I've applied for permanent residency in Canada, and I'm just hoping that'll kind of time out and come through before I have to you know, show up at the border there as, as, a, as a refugee. So, you know, We'll see. I I don't know if I'm hopeful, but I, I do plan to find a way to live what's left of my life in a relatively peaceful and joyous way, if possible. Uh, that script, you know, look, I there's her old friend and publicist has been pestering me about it, and I actually sent what I had to Nicole Holof Center, mm. Holof Center, to look yeah. at. She's great, but I don't I, I don't know, man, if I want to pull the trigger on it, and I love the story of it. Uh, but it was so like it would have really required her, and it was, and it would require somewhat of a, of a real uh, kind of overhaul. I don't know. I, I don't really know. And oddly, that script existed for us in a weird way. It was really what brought us together, and really what we built our relationship around was, you know, we knew we liked each other, but you know, we were both with other people. So it was one of the only ways we could spend time with each other regularly. So like it never got done for a couple of reasons, you yes. know. 
So it was but probably we'll, born we'll, out of the sort of trust movie, right? Well, sort of trust. Like it was born out of Lynn wanting to make a movie with me. So mm -hmm. we were going to write this movie. Then she lost patience with that and just went out and came up with sort of trust with Michael O'Brien and then put me at the center of it. So that was her way of making the movie with me that she wanted to make. The, let me tell you something, dude. The one we were writing on is bleak. I mean, it's bleak. You know, well, it focuses around a, a pair of brothers, one of whom is dying. And, you know, in, in light of Lynn passing the way she did, and there are the bits and pieces in that screenplay that were, you know, sort of similar to what she went through. It was creepy. Wow. Well, there's this interesting fate kismet kind of thing with like the coming birds, the lights, this whole thing, right? Yeah, 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 dude. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, it, it happens sometimes. It, it, it's real. It, I guess it's sort of relative to, you know, how you frame your perception. But I, I think the fake kismet thing is, is a welcome thing, even if it doesn't represent something you know, scientifically real. Yeah, it is what poetry is built on. You know, I got to ask you quickly. Um, I mean, you said you're fundamentally a, a, a stand-up comedian, but you're obviously known for this great podcast, which I've been listening for. Uh, I don't know decades now however long yeah. it's been on and I, I knew that you were talking about Canada I'm also Canadian by the way so like I I'm like yes go to Canada and yeah. uh um yeah I don't know how do you how do you identify like you still stand-up comedian podcaster like the world maybe sometime maybe a whole new generation maybe just sees you as a podcaster maybe right yeah I mean I you know I don't really know some people like know me from glow it's weird you know but yeah podcasting there's a very specific audience to that I you know I'm I comedy is what I set out to do. And that's what's in my, you know, soul, you, you know, but you know, certainly as time has gone on and, you know, the type of uh, conversations I have and the evolving capacity for empathy and, and, and drawing things out of people that, that people uh, respect, uh, I think it's helpful. You, you know, I, I'm willing to wear all the hats, but, you know, comedy is where I live, you know. Um. I don't know. I think what you just said there was the evolving capacity for empathy. And I yeah. swear to God, if you wrote a uh, like a, an autobiography, it should be that because I've been listening to you for so long. I, I've heard that. I, I feel like when people used to say, oh, Mark Maron's this grumpy guy. And I'm like, you're not paying attention. He's been evolving for so long. And I don't know. I've been a listener for a long time. I'm, you know, maybe 10 or 11 years younger than you, but I, I feel like I'm evolving alongside you. I don't know, man. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm really, is, is it, is, I don't want it to be condescending, to sound condescending, but I'm like so like proud of, of, of who you've become. Oh, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that, you know, coming from somebody that knows my work and, you know, and I, you know, I, it, it's, it's not easy because I have a brain that, you know, wants me to not believe that I'm changing or that, you know, I am you know, somehow not, you know, worthy of it. it it's, it's hard, the, the inner struggle of, of overcoming, you know, self, uh, low, you know, insecurity and shame and this and that. It's weird, man. You know, it's a whole other dimension that I have to kind of reckon with. I, maybe I'll do it publicly at some point. I, I think the, the honest, the way, the honesty with where you share that is why so many people connect and again, man, I, I think that's my new mantra, the evolving capacity for empathy, which I think we all need and all, and I certainly want. So thank you. Yeah, for you're welcome, time. man. It's, it's Good been talk. such a pleasure talking to you. You too, man. Take it easy. Okay, okay bye. Yeah.
All right, that's really it. That was my conversation with Mark Marin about his new HBO special, Mark Marin from Bleak to Dark. It's available now on HBO Max. I hope you dug that. I hope you liked it. I'm pretty proud of it, to be honest. Um, so yeah, please share it. As always, my podcast, Deep Focus, is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Bingeworthy, The Fourth Wall, The Playlist Podcast, The Discourse, and more. We can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and most places where podcasts are found. Follow us on iTunes, and you'll get this podcast and all our other shows regularly. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or a rating as we super greatly, sincerely appreciate it. And thank you for listening. Um, I have another long interview with Nicholas Winding Refn for his very excellent show on Netflix, which not that many people have seen, maybe. It's called Copenhagen Cowboy. It's available on Netflix now. Um... Well, actually, if you're listening to it, I'm debating whether I'm going to make that into a podcast or not. It ended up being like a 55-minute podcast. It's very, very long, um, or at least a 55-minute conversation. Either way, you'll see it either in a podcast form or a written Q&A or both. Um, but stay tuned for that. I hope to not make these podcasts this irregular, but, you know, uh, life happens. Anyhow, be well. Take care. Bye.